Good afternoon. Welcome to Talking Stations. Uh, I'm Tiberius Stargazer, taking over from Mattel as he's away this week. And I'm joined once again by familiar faces and a new face as well for this week's panel, where we're going to be covering all the latest news in New Eden. Um, as I said, my name is Tiberius Stargazer. I'm of Northern Coalition um, in the Corporate Destructive Influence. I'm also the Content Manager and Editor-in-Chief for EventT and Eve Guardian. Um, I'm also joined by Caleb. Say hi, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. And tell the people, lovely people what you do. I usually just stay doc market trading and managing the SEC lounge, and now I'm helping out, rolling out the East Guardian. Fantastic. Uh, we also have uh, the Duke of the Diorate and uh, the Tito's greatest promoter uh, ever, uh, Dirk McGurk. Say hi, Dirk. Introduce yourself to us. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Dirk McGurk, uh, back with uh, Pandemic Legion in Sniggerdly, uh, and a host of the Open Com Show. What's going on, everybody? And of course, we're uh, joined by the ever-present uh, Jintan. Say hi, Jintan. I am watching you always. That's a bit creepy. <laughs> um, Fleet Commander for Provi and a current CSM member. We'll talk a little bit about CSM later on as well. And last but not least, uh, we have a new guest today, um, someone who has just taken over the reins for EM24, uh, Johan Landia. Say hi, Johan. Hi. Yep, it's Johan, and someone has definitely screwed up bigly if Eve News 24 is relying on me. Uh, so we take it for that. So that, that's quite an interesting uh, little topic. We'll just spend a couple of minutes talking about that because you've just taken over from Salavan as the editor in chief. Is that right? Absolutely. That's fantastic. And um, are you looking forward to the new challenge? Have you got set yourself any goals to sort of achieve over the next uh, few weeks? Well, I do. Every time Riverini appoints a new um, editor in chief, he's got a mandate that he, you know, he puts forward. Salavans was to increase the quality of the writing and journalism. Now Riverini wants me to do everything else. Uh, particularly, we're looking to appeal to a wider range of readers within New Eden. Get outside just the null sec and the big alliances and move on to the traders, the high sec players, faction warfare, low sec. Make it so that everyone in Eve has got something they can read at Eve News 24. That's brilliant. Certainly not can I ask a short question? Yeah, go ahead. Um, are you considering going back to the roots of uh, EN24? We were talking about the fact that uh, way back in the early days, it was a lot more tabloid oriented and it was kind of like uh, entertainment value that. Uh, pulled the people to go and read EN24. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some value to that. If you're bringing in lots of readers, uh, lots of page views, I mean, that's what a site's there for. It's to reach the, the masses in the crowd. So in some cases, you kind of got to give them what they want. But on the other hand, I mean, we've worked hard, Salivan's worked hard to establish a level of quality, you know, in that entire, and on our site. So we can't completely get away from that. So there's going to have to be a balance. One thing that I've noticed is, and I, I give Imperium News credit for, is the well shows like this, video content streaming has allows it to reach reach a wider um, um, group of players, and that's something that we have lagged on, and something that we're definitely moving into in our next phase as well. There you go. Sounds like you might have some competition coming up there. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. That's great. I mean, it's always, um, I mean, it's always great when, well, number one, you know what? I mean, you know, this is kind of funny, right? I mean, um, you know, here, this is an Imperium News. It's not an Imperium News show, so to speak, because, you know, all of the all the different things that are on there, whether it be open comms or talking in stations or whatever it is, right, are 
are done by the people that are producing them. This is not like, you know, some hand down from from the top or anything. But here we've got the the new editor in chief of, of Eve News 24 on. Um, God knows we could probably go back to the, you know, to to the media wars of the past between Eve News 24 and the Matani.com and, and, and things like that. But uh, it's nice when we've got content coming out. And if they're going to be rolling out more content, that's great for the Eve community as well, because by and large, despite what people say out there, I think people go to where the content is, regardless of the name on the masthead. Oh, I absolutely agree. Listen, we all have our herf and blurf and, and the flags that we fly under in this game. Every one of us in here. Um, as the new editor-in-chief for Eve News 24, I've sort of got a neutral position where I have to allow good content, regardless is it from a writer from the goons or a writer from PL, it doesn't matter. You know, good content is good content. Um, and that's something that even Salivan before me really pushed hard. I don't, we didn't care who the writer was as long as it was something that brought value to our reader. So yeah, we all have got our, our allegiances. That being said, we all play this game because we love the game and the wider community. Just like we tend to drink together at FanFest and E-Vegas and other gathering events, you know, out of game is out of game, in the game is in game. But anything that increases and makes the whole game better is, and we all should be on board with that. And Imperium News is definitely a big part of that. I think Eve News is the other side of that. One may be CNN, the other one's Fox, I don't know. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's uh, anything we all do to work together and make the game better is, is just going to, in the long run, make Eve last longer and reach a wider uh, group of players. Good stuff. So uh, moving on to other news, important news, uh, Eve turns 14 today. Um, it's quite a milestone. I don't think there's been any uh, MMOs that have lasted quite this long off the top of my head. Probably there's still a few of the old classics lurking around with it. Which one was that? Team Online and EverQuest. Oh, there you go. So uh, joining the uh, Eve Online's family, joining the, lot, the very small list of long-term running MMOs, um, and for me, one of the things I'm going to go around and ask the panel is, you know, what is it about Eve that keeps them coming back to Eve? And um, for me, just to start off the, the conversation, it's the stories between the players, like all the conflicts and intrigue and things like that, that always keep me going. Just when I think um, I might have broken away from Eve and set it down for a while, uh, another story comes along and there's a big war and it's like, hey, I know those guys. I want to get at them and back, it drags me straight back in. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, 14 years of Eve, what is what has been one of your highlights? What keeps you coming back to the Eve, uh, Caleb? Huh. Uh, I, I think you can never actually really leave. Once you've got the bug, it sticks with you forever. Uh, I'm, of course, a little bit biased because I've been in it from day one, but the, it's you, you 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 need breaks once in a while whether it's real life stuff and uh you just have a rage break or something like that but you 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 start looking around for something else to play and everything is just so mediocre compared to eve because eve has that whole added meta layer of depth and historicity and the most amazing community in any game environment i know yeah absolutely it does what about you, Dirk? What keeps you coming back to Eve after all these years? Uh, it's some form of masochism, probably. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, I've been playing about nine and a half years now, and um, what keeps me what keeps me staying at I me mean, you know, and, and and on the Dirk character, that's never you know that's never lapsed. Um, you know, despite taking some time off, you know, from you know here or there, um, uh, the account itself has never lapsed. And I don't know. I mean, you know. <sighs> 
it changes over time, right? There was a time when, uh, you know, just logging in and talking to three guys every day, you know, was, was kind of that thing, you know, while playing the game, there was that time when you were new and, and you were out there experiencing all of these new things. Um, you know, now where I'm at, it's like, I try as I might to even find something else that might gain my attention. There's so much that goes on around Eve that um, I just find it to be so incredibly interesting. I mean, even the other night, I went out on one of Batterall's little history, you know, history tours, and, and we went out to the Eve Gate. Nine and a half years, I'd never been to the Eve Gate before. I'd never gone out and even been in that little dead-end part, uh, part of space to see this thing. And I realized while this was happening that I kind of got like this giddy feeling about, wow, I'm doing something new. You know, so even after nine and a half years, you can still do something new in the game. And it kind of brings back that feeling of, of you know, you know, newness in a way. Now, granted, that was temporary. But what was really cool about it was we sat there, we talked about it, we talked about things. And that has always been a big draw for me is talking with other people about these things that go on in Eve. Absolutely. Like there's so much depth to it. You can think you've mastered one thing, but then by the time you think you've got that, there's actually a whole other skill set to master as well and new things to learn and new history to pick up. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then I got killed. <laughs> you got to get killed on your way to the Eve Gate. That's like I got killed because I trusted that this guy in a thorax was just there to visit like we were. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a trick. Uh, lovely. Brilliant. What about you, Jen Tan? What, uh, what keeps you coming back to Eve all the time after all these years? Uh, for me, it's just that there's always something to learn, something to improve at. You know, I've I've never reached a point where I felt like I've uh, mastered any skill in Eve. And as someone who kind of like has this internal drive to always always improve, always do something better, uh, I think Eve just feeds into that like the same way that meth feeds a meth addict. You know, you just you could, it, it, there's there's always something changing, always something new to learn, and there's always uh, a new skill that you can learn and apply to the game, like video editing, which I picked up recently. You know, it's great. I I, I don't think there's mm. any, any game in the world that would that can teach you as much as Eve. Yeah, certainly in in your situation, because in the last two years you've made just put yourself onto the CSM. You've gone, you know, dead like shown dedication beyond what most players would do and even putting yourself there in, in CCP's hands and saying, hey, look at me, these, these are the ideas and here's my advice. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people would, wouldn't mind being on the CSM though. It's, uh, it's not, quite the, <laughs> not quite the same skill. I think more what I've done is just tr try really hard to write, write what I saw as the wrongs of the CSM. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, Johan, what about yourself? You know, I came to Eve. I got out of the military, and uh, after spending two decades in the military, there was a camaraderie that you get from being, um, you know, in a in a close knit team. And you know, you get out of the civilian world, and you don't have a lot of that in the jobs that you do. People come, they go, but you don't spend a lot of time outside of your nine to five working with them. And as a commercial pilot, you don't you don't you don't really get to know the people around you much. Um, I sort of played some video games, but never really got into anything. Uh, played Eve a little bit and started about seven years ago. But then, um, actually, I can credit a goon, Vile Rat, uh, who was also Air Force. And I read about what happened to him, and then I started reading about some of his exploits in Eve. And it just like, whoa, what is some of this stuff he did? And then the next thing I know, it drew me in. And I joined a corp, Southern Comfort. And those guys, like, it's a team, it's a family. And I've been with them for the just about the entire time. And, you know, pretty much either in test or near test. 
And so it's been the same family, same group of guys that I have known the entire time. And a lot of us have become real life friends. I mean, we've, we talk on the phone, we, we meet in real life, we, we visit and, and we know more about each other's personal life than I do my neighbor in a lot of cases. And so that social aspect becomes, it, it almost, it, my wife makes fun of me constantly for it. Cause she's like, oh, don't you make friends in the real world? I'm like, I don't know. I know these guys better. Why would I, why would I waste my time? I mean, I love being outdoors, but yeah, it's just, it's an amazing feeling that I think it's it's also um, the way society's moving. You meet people online, but Eve, the social aspect is so deep. These shows, the the stuff like this, the videos, the sites, all of that creates such a completed experience that just I have never seen matched in any other game or any kind of social technological interaction. So that's a credit to CCP, but it's also the players, and that's the other half of it, the player-driven part of it. Um, I tell a story some people, and it's actually PL that sort of did it, but there was a player event going on where I don't know some NPC had taken some super carriers, and the the whole game, the whole point was going to be uh, come and blow these ships up when they show up. They were the Caldari super carriers. Well, PL shows up and starts repping them and saves them, and <laughs> CCP had to change the script because the point was they were going to let the players just get a free super carrier kill, but that wouldn't work anymore because PL kept saving the super. And then they changed the scope video and everything. And then all of a sudden you started seeing more and more player effect on the wider game. You saw the scope videos start changing because I think CCP realized at that point, oh, maybe, you know, and we we became part of the lore. And I think that's amazing as well. So it's it's all of that, the the impact and, and even the Mitanni and even as much as you may hate the bad guys in the game and the good guys and all that. It's all part of this narrative that everyone can get deeply involved in. And that just keeps people coming back time and time again. Yeah, and I think certainly from my point of view, I'll agree with that as well because the, it's the stories and the interactions between these big groups and, and even the little groups as well, just the individual people, um, is the most fascinating part of Eve and it certainly comes back and that's certainly something you can't get in any other game. Absolutely. So um, moving on to uh, news for this week, uh, we've got the patch re release notes for uh, 1195 are out. Um, and we got some good highlights. The suns that we've been waiting for that were revealed at FanFest is suddenly here. Um, they're looking fantastic. Anybody, any of you got onto the test server and had a look at these suns yet? Any sort of thoughts on them? Oh, oh they're beautiful. so pretty. <laughs> no, have I want to wait until they come out live. I'm not going to go cheat and see them ahead of time. <laughs> oh, you're going to save yourself. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to. I, I want to be wowed for real, not off on some test server. <laughs> fantastic. I mean, um, uh, if you haven't seen the the design of them, they they talked a lot about the design in in um, uh, FanFest as well, and the atmospherics of them are just completely different. Um, wouldn't you guys agree? Anybody got any thoughts on some of the graphical updates on them because they are pretty amazing? Well, there's a huge benefit from the fact that they will reduce the whole uh, blinding and glare effect. And uh, there was a few chats uh, at FanFest that uh, CCP is actually going to try and do something similar with uh, bubbles, so we might get some really nice uh, uh, reduction in nuisance from uh, bad graphic stuff and clear. Um, I was having a chat with uh, a few of the CCP art guys over at FanFest, and I was like, hey, these suns look amazing, and, and you know, they, they're really good. And they're like, yeah, the only problem is now we're trying to think of structures that we can put at suns so that people can actually fly to them and enjoy them a bit better. Sun mining, um, 2018. 
Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, CCP is definitely credit where credit is due. They have stepped up their game in the graphic department from the explosions to the suns. All of it is, is been some of the best I've seen ever. Yeah, and that's pretty much standard what CCP seems to be doing, right? At a cadence of about every two years or two and a half years, they come out and they polish something with modern technology so they keep up to date on uh, the actual look and feel of the game. Uh, we had explosions before this and then we have the, the state effects on the ships and things like that. And it's, it's just become such a gorgeous game and pretty much keeping up with competition uh, all the way back from day one. So I'm just impressed that they can keep doing this. It was especially important, I think, in the last year that they spent a lot of time updating the graphics because of the Alpha Clone release and, and things like that. It's, you know, they need to make sure it's all nice and polished up for the new guys, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and then the whole thing of uh, them working so much with the Unreal Engine and the other brands will definitely spill over and benefit because it's so much easier to work on graphics in, in that engine. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, synergies from the other brands and uh, and Eve. And eventually, maybe it's going to be ported to Eve 2.0. It's worth noting that actually, if you look back, you can probably see where the seeds of like uh, of the whole alpha thing um, started, though, with the uh, uh, the updating of the noob ships. I think back in like early 2016. That was probably I think that was when that was done. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they remodeled I mean... all of the noob ships. Yeah, when they got a little bit of a graphical polish and yeah. a few more polygons and things, yeah. I mean, as I, we, I can't help but think maybe, 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 the, maybe the seeds were back then, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just extrapolating a bit. To, to be fair, okay, um, what EVE looks like has always and will forever be secondary to what EVE plays like. Um, it's nice that they make suns that do this. It's nice that, you know, the skies look clearer and ships look nicer and things like that. Um, but Eve is still a game about actually playing it and doing it. I really doubt that there are that many people who play, play Eve simply because it looks nice. I think you vastly underestimate. I don't say that they don't think it's important. I'm just saying that it comes down <laughs> to actual gameplay as to, as to, I think, what keeps people, you know, you know going. Because you can make I it look at... There are some games out there that are super pretty and shitty. I mean, like I showed <laughs> yeah. I showed my grandma the book of Art of Eve today, and she now actually wants to play. I don't know. Jin grab. Well, uh, I guess that, I guess that'll be the test. If she thinks it looks good, now throw her into the new player experience, and and you know you know <laughs> jet, jettison her out into the world of Eve, and you know see what happens. Should I record? You promise. You promise to record. Oh, record it. it. We need to see it. it <laughs> we need to awesome. see it. Okay. Let's see what I can do. That would actually be amazing. That'd be really that would be really interesting to see actually how how Jin Grand takes on the new player experience, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we've been targeting the wrong generation. Maybe we need to go <laughs> maybe we need to go time. much much older, not much younger. Retirees won't be able to alarm clock. The whole game will be fixed. <laughs> go for the gray pound, <laughs> not the gay pound. All fleets all fleets have to be, you know, no later than four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, <laughs> You gotta, you gotta, gotta, all, all, all people, people are gonna be making like Eve-themed in-loop uh, hearing aids. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there we go. Um, so some other updates coming in the release. Uh, quite a little interesting one, which I didn't understand why, but some of the marketeers on on the show at the moment can tell me why. But apparently, contract lifetimes are being extended to four weeks uh, from two weeks. 
Um, what was wrong with two weeks? Why do we need them to four? It's just to be on par with and uh, competitive with the the actual SCC market, right? That uh, they did these changes and then they changed the prices. Uh, so now the, there's an added upside to contracts that it's been doubled in the time uh, span and then the price has been up a lot. So it's uh, on level with the, with the actual SEC market. So now you don't have that huge benefit of uh, running a contract shadow market. There you go. Simple answer. I don't know why it was 14 before. So to move it out, you know, <laughs> to move it out a bit longer, it's like, you know, whatever. I mean, I would think that 14 was probably arbitrary at the time. Yeah, I agree. It sounded like some arbitrary just number they randomly picked out and now realize it probably needs things to match. You, yeah, things you can't really explain because it's so far in the past and no one remembers why it was 14. <laughs> Someone threw a <laughs> dart somewhere. CSM. Sorry, well, I was looking at the I was looking at the Concord ships because uh uh whoever was running the stream put them up and they're so pretty. Oh, and those are coming out as well. If you if you went to Fanfest, you're getting your first is it the first two we're getting this time, friend? Uh, uh, the frigate and the cruiser. You get, no, you get you get the. I believe it's the cruiser. If you go to either frigate and cruiser, if you go to either Vegas or Fanfest, and you get the mm. battleship if you go to both. Oh man, I don't want to know how expensive they're going to be. Those battleships—they're going to be horrifically expensive. <laughs> I might, I might go. Well, I might, but eventually might they're coming be, out for everybody, right? I uh, don't know. Have they talked about that? There is there was a mention of it in one of the posts saying that they will be released wider on a wider basis in the future, but there was no description on I'm why just gonna or how. ND, I'm just going to say NDA. I'm just... That's but always Fozzie a safe did. option when you're on the season. Fozzie did say that eventually they are all going to be available in some way and some form, but no actual... Yeah. Eventually they'll <laughs> just be the new Macarial fleet. <laughs> Has anybody had a... Anybody had a chance to test them out yet? See what they like? I don't think they're on Sissy yet, are they? Yeah, they've been on the test server for a couple of weeks now. Um, I took one of the uh, frigates out. It uh, <laughs> It's quite funny because it requires every single skill to fly them, every racial skill. So you need every racial frigate skill and every racial cruiser skill to fly them. And they have a bonus free each one, which is really... <laughs> As, Which is quite crazy. As Noisy said, he said, don't worry, Tibbs, you'll get to grind 80 hours in a player event to get one. <laughs> I know, man. If only I could get my uh, next next shiny dreadnought that I never get to fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. But um, looking forward to that one. But the big, the biggest release, probably the, the core of this release um, is going to be the Blood Raider shipyard. And there's been a lot of mass tests um, that is going... That's been going on on the test server recently. Um, were anybody involved in those mass tests and seen some of the pretty pictures and videos that have been coming out from that? Yeah, I got dropped, but I played for part of it. I was really impressed with the scale. Um, you know, bigger is better in my book sometimes, I guess. But then again, that also tends to lead to breaking. But yeah, it, the scale and the response of the, the NPC fleet w was pretty impressive. Just the sheer size of it was nice. Because there's a pit, couple of pictures of them floating around where they've undocked uh, like 80 Blood Raider dreadnoughts and things like that. And you've got images and videos of the Blood Raider fleet like star bursting out and then warping down onto a target. I mean, yeah, that's I pretty mean, clever stuff. I mean, I think some of the biggest rushes most of us ever got were in big fleet fights and especially early on. And, and you know, you either last 30 seconds, three minutes or you know, the entire fight, it seems like, and there's not a whole lot in between, but 
you know, the scale of it. And I think for new players, anything that gives them a chance to see these big fleet fights, you know, right off the bat is just, it's, you know, it's going to add to them because you, you know, one thing that almost lost me in the beginning was in, in high sec, there's just, it, life can be slow and you do what you do. You, you do your mission running, which there are people that love that. And that's great. If that's their niche, that's their niche. But then what happens is you go into null sec and it's like zero to a thousand overnight and the size of the fleets everything is massive and i think if there's some in between with the npc or you know especially like the mining fleet responses and other things that you know it's been happening lately i think this will add to the new player experience and hopefully help it out a little so do you think it's just really a taster for people to get involved and you know learn how to organize big fleets as as incursions originally i think were meant to meant to be for but do you think they're really kind of to help lead people into learning how to lead fleets and organize fleets of that scale to go and fight that sort of content while at the same time getting something in return for it. I mean, it could be uh, every time any, I think any of us try to read what CCP's intention is, it just ends up being the opposite. Cause like, Oh no, that's not what we meant. But yeah, I mean, it, if it definitely benefits that regardless, if it allows high sec players to, you know, do some fleets and run around and rep each other and do whatever they got to do. And that's great. I mean, the bottom line is what no matter what ccp does we're going to take it and do what we want with it and so yeah uh, the scale of these these fights and uh, the, that i saw on cc the other day with the npc fleet was definitely impressive i mean no you know i want more than that though what i would love more than more than the actual uh the npc fleets themselves i'd love to be able to fc the blood raiders i'd love to be able to like have something that i can win if i just wreck you know billions of isk of goons uh in you know, as as the commander of a blood raider ship, how fucking dope would that be? You mean spawn yourself in as Omar and uh, lead out? Yeah, blood raider that would so <laughs> that would be so sick. Why is that not a thing? One one thing that should be noted is that there will only be one of these blood raider shipyards at any time in the game. So, um, so that's a you know, that's across three regions where the blood raiders operate. Um, you know, so it's not just like you know this is something that will you know be there'll be one in Delve, one in Quirious, one in period basis. There's just going to be one until somebody goes after it and does something with it. I don't know. They haven't they haven't said anything yet about whether or not it will despawn after a certain period of time, have they? No, but they did say that it's going to take a day or so before it actually spawns, right? So they are not expecting it to be discovered by players until like the eleventh or something like that. And how do you discover this thing? Because it's not like a simple case of just walking into the system going, hey, there's a shipyard there. It's, there's, there's, you actually have to track this down, don't you? Yeah, the, the AI is, uh, is doing mining operations and things like that. And you have to track down the activity of the ships and then follow them into the actual uh, event. So wait a minute. So when, when one of these spawns in Delve, the Blood Raiders are going to be mining. Now, is that going to be also adding to the mining that's going on in Delve? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be reducing it, right? But the, well, the blood raiders be calculated in mass as well. I did ask. I, I did ask if uh, if numbers like that could be made available uh, when we had Quantum, and he did say that it was possible in the future. It is going to be interesting to see, yeah, because whatever's been going on over in Sissy, once it gets out into the real world of Eve, right, uh, onto Tranquility, um, and depending on where it shows up, you know, seeing what players throw against it and seeing whether or not this thing whacks a mass or or if maybe it's, you know, uh, something oh, that's... the kill mails are going to be good. It, it's going to be interesting, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be refreshing Sea Kill all the fucking time just to see how many get killed. Oh, it was like those but, drifter battleships when they first came out. Those kill exactly. were glorious. <laughs> uh, everyone just 
eyes horribly all the fucking time. I still remember her, uh, the very, <laughs> like the first person to lose a carrier to that. That was on the scope video as well. And it was like, I was surprised at how powerful they were. Oh, so it'd be interesting to see what American, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a lot more evil than it was on the test server. Oh, we were on TeamSpeak just the other day, and there's still people that are falling. You know, he's like, hey, there's these things called auto-synth and something or others. And he was a noob, and he was in his carrier. And he's like, I'm going to shoot at these. And we, and then it was that unidentified wormhole was in system. Yeah, his kill mail popped up a second later. <laughs> But it leads into an interesting point because the Blood Raiders, you know, they're one pirate faction of many and they live in a particular region of space. And this is just one thing that's coming along. So do you guys think this is an indication of where CCP hopes to develop uh, like NullSec PVE in the future? Um, they're going to so take already forward. announced the second one, right? Didn't they? Have they? You yeah, tell me. I'm pretty sure that Larrigan announced that they are actually working on, was it the Garista one? Correct me, Jintan? Uh, NDA. Well, no, none of his already said it. It's on stream, and he said next up is going to be, and then one of the second factions were actually announced. Don't know. Didn't he, watch that. He, he did mention that other factions would be coming eventually. Now, whether it was Garistas or not, I, I I can't recall. But yes, this would be the first of you know other ones that would be in other parts of space, obviously. Now, whether you know whether or not. Um, whether or not this is going to be the thing for NullSec going forward, right? Or whether it's going to change, you know, you know, all sorts of, you know, sort of uh, PVE and NullSec. Um, you know, I think it's unclear. I mean, I, I think it's a new thing that's being added to the game. It's not necessarily going to change what already exists. Um, you know, I think that we can have, you know, numerous different types of, of, of PVE. Um, some that are more, you know, advanced AI like this and, you know, and others maybe that continue to be, you know, what they are now. Um, you know, the, we have room for all sorts of this stuff. Yeah. And, and the intention is from what has been said already is that they're going to use this as the new generation um, emergent gameplay with this whole uh, procedural AI thing. And they're going to try and put the AI on a lot of jobs uh, in the PVE. Uh, I think the sky is the limit, and their intention uh, is definitely to Im uh, implement it in as many things as possible. It's just that this is uh, the alpha stage um, on a scale, really. Good stuff. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to those. Um, I guess a lot of people living around in Blood Raider space are also really looking forward to them as well, because uh, there's going to be a lot of money to be made from the blueprints that drop from them. Um, by the way, if anybody wants to sell me an overly priced uh, Dreadnought or Fax, then uh, come to me. I can add to my collection of other Dreadnoughts and Faxes that I don't use, but there we go. <laughs> other overpriced things you've collected, including your beer choices. Including my beer choices. <laughs> um, so another change, the big change, um, Aurum is eventually being replaced by uh, what I'd like to call Bitplex, but uh, Plex is Tuesday. being... Not eventually. It's, it's coming Tuesday. It's coming Tuesday. It's coming Tuesday. Um, Plex is becoming more granular. Uh, that's one of the big changes. But uh, something that's cropped up over the last few days is um, you won't be able to use Plexes for character transfers anymore. I have to pay with real-life dollarinos. Um, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this because I, I don't um, character trade at all. But I understand there are some, some character traders that might be a little bit upset about this one. Um, Isn't it to make sure that they offset the losses? That we're they still have talking with CCP on this. Still talking about them on it. 
Yeah. I mean, there's there's a guy in my corp named Nasser who would probably spend two hours telling me why this will be the end of EVE and CCP and that the game is officially dying because of the choice. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, you know, I guess it's one of those things. It's like the there was something with the the Plex change. Oh, the Orem, under the thousand, right? Everybody blew up on that and CCP responded. So I, I have a feeling, you know, hold our breath a few days and see what happens or changes with this because, you know, it could be fluid. Well, that was a decision. This here sounds like that there is, at least in the short term, a technical limitation. Because again, you know, um, Plex is going, you're going to have this new Plex vault. The the word that apparently was given by Falcon, um, and I forget where this came from, but he said, this is something that wasn't included. In, and this goes to the, the, the character transfer thing, that you won't be able to use Plex to, to fund uh, the payment for a character transfer. This is something that wasn't included in the release with the Plex changes as it's caused by a technical limitation with the way the new Plex system works. The plan is to look at this down the future and potentially reintroduce paying for this with Plex, but at this stage, we're not committed to a timeline on when this will happen. And it's uh, to actually get the effect from the diminishing returns of the skill of point trading, right? I, I don't know that that has anything to do with it. I mean, it's not like they're getting rid of, you know, you know, character bizarre. They're just taking away one of the one of the uh, payment methods that has been there since shortly after Plex was was first introduced. Um, I think this is something that they need to that they need to figure out um, because there is still, I think, uh, healthy trading within within the character bizarre. Um, you know, and if the difference is, you know, between, you know, 20 bucks or a couple of Plex, you know, people should kind of have that uh, should kind of have that 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 option yeah i agree okay is it an but, end of the world issue i probably not you know no. not what not what it would have been before skill point trading right and the number no, of trades right? you have to take into account the number of trades that are actually done so the utilization of the actual system compared to the cost of actually changing and, and implementing it in the new uh new plex thing I, I think it's not necessarily worth it and this way it benefits ccp in many ways to just leave it uh out. So that's definitely a topic that's still ongoing. Um, CSM is looking at that, and uh, who knows? CCP may change their mind and come out with a solution to it soon. It's going to but, be interesting. Uh, the short term. Yeah, you know, all the way around with Plex, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, um, you know, come Tuesday, what uh, what the new price for for Plex will end up being. I have I, I have to imagine that market traders are going to use some of the haze associated with. Uh, you know, with, with the market orders coming down, the new Plex going in, and then market orders going back up again to, uh, you know, to disguise some some price changes in there, you know, from uh, people who are looking. <laughs> so in other words... Price should drop, right? And then the the band that it's traded in, so the volatility of the Donkin will be a little bit wider because of uh, uh, the small increments. So, um, and that's coming in on Tuesday. Is that right? And uh, if you go to Jita and somebody offers you a Plex for 1.2 billion years, could be wary of that contract before you accept it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, and the other thing is that is that if you have over 1,000 units of Orem, um, your Orem will be converted to Plex. If you have less than 1,000 units, then then um, that will happen as well, but at a, still at an undisclosed later time. So. Hmm. I think they were. If you don't have any see. Plex, but you have Orem. You'll you'll have some Plex probably on uh, on Tuesday, maybe on Tuesday. Yeah, I think they're waiting to see what happens with the uh, Plex prices after they liquidate the Orem to see whether or not it crashes the market before doing the remainder. 
I didn't notice if uh, there was any uh, news on the weird forum tokens, if they're going to be removed or if they're just going to leave them there as some vestigial thing. Uh, they've already talked about that, I believe. They have. Um, and I remember someone saying that something about them because they had a whole stack of them and I can't remember what it was off the top of my head now. But they are doing something with them. I believe they will be injected into you automatically and then cashed out because they don't yeah, I, I believe this that's right. That seems to be what I heard as well. I, yeah, I can not confirm that off the top of my head though. So, but oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. This is interesting. And I, you know, I guess I just didn't think about it before. Okay, so the Plex Vault is going to be basically an account-wide vault that all of yep. the characters... Okay, so, so therefore... Please be aware that the Plex stored in the Plex Vault will not contribute to the total net worth of a character. So when you're looking at your net worth on that particular character, that will not include Plex that's in the vault. Yeah, I just noticed that today. I mean, I, I love the th biggest issue I have sometimes is transferring Plex from one account to another, log off, redeem, all this other. So I love the idea of the vault. I'm, I'm sure some people will call it dumbing down the game or making it too safe. And, and I guess there's an argument to that. But I do love the utility of it and just how it seems like it's going to operate. But, uh, well, there's not been any need for actually shipping it around for a long time, so yeah. I don't see the whole point of arguing <laughs> that. So yeah, stupid. but then, just, of course, that doesn't stop people from doing it. No, but they're still allowed to. You can just pull it out of the uh, of the vault and put it in your cargo, and you can flex tank just as much as you used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we seen the death of the flex tank? That's that's one of the things I'm wondering, wondering about <laughs> when it comes to this. Are we no longer going to be seeing 30 billion shuttles exploding on the perimeter gate? Oh, we'll soon find out, I guess, um, in, the, in the near future. Um, if you do, you still got to question it. I mean, <laughs> be like, wait, what? <laughs> basically, if, we lose, uh, if you lose Plex in a ship after this patch, um, you basically deserved it because you made a conscious decision to move it into your hangar and move it to begin with. Oh, on the redeem queue, uh, I just noticed there was a question about that. I believe that will be automatically just converted to new Plex in your redeem queue. It's this, like, the one thing that people have right now that is like we still haven't managed to quite get an answer from is um, invite rewards because you used to get you you can get a Plex from that if they do sub, and I'm not sure how that's going to go still. I think that might have been answered. I'm just, I, I can't remember it personally. Absolutely. Um, so that's Plex Norm changes. I think it's an interesting change. I think, think it'll make life a little bit easier not having to worry about Orem and you've just got the one currency. And it's certainly make it a lot simpler uh, going forward as well. Um, but now we move on to, speaking of the CSM, um, move on to some more CSM news. Uh, Jintan, you recently published uh, an item on to Reddit. Um, about the CSM communication schedule, Discord, and content methods. Um, you want to explain that to somebody as if they haven't read it? Uh, yeah, basically, it's just me uh, going over all of the things that I guess, I guess I am personally doing. I was kind of uh, re reminded by Noobman that, um, you know, it is something that I do, and uh, no other CSM is obviously obligated to follow it. But I, I like giving structure to kind of the communication of the CSM, and this kind of lays out what I'm personally going to be doing towards um, talking to you guys about what the CSM is doing. Uh, specifically, you're going to have weekly updates, podcast, uh, attendance tracker, and probably do some more town halls and probably do some quarterly reviews. 
But you've also um, opened up a, a Discord, which was a first, because there wasn't a Discord for last year, but you've also introduced a Discord. Um, if people wanted to get involved on that Discord, how would they find it? It is uh, linked in that article, and I believe there are a couple other links out there. I can't post a link in the chat, because I don't have the privileges to do so. Um, let me drop it in, like, links here so someone else can. Uh, but yeah, it's it's open access. Anyone can come in, anyone can talk to us. That's kind of the whole intent of it. I think that I think that's brilliant. I mean, the whole purpose of the CSM started as a communication method between CCP and the player base. And I felt like for the last couple of years that the CSM has sort of been on this other side of the wall. And I think some of that may have been done with the leaks and the other stuff going on. But having that communication, I think, is is a is definitely the, a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Now, you know, one of the, one of the things that you continue to put out there, and it got you, know, it got raised a little while ago. You know, was the was the uh, meeting attendance thing, right? Um, which which everybody needs to realize, due to when these meetings happen and what the time zones are of the people on the CSM, or what their life is like. About you know, do they have a job or things like that? That um, you know, perfect attendance is not something that's always uh, you know always going to happen. And uh, and it's you know, and Jen. Where would you say the the most important levels of communication occur? Do they occur at these meetings, or do they just occur over time in in the various channels that you have open with you know with developers and and the team at CCP? Uh, without a doubt, the most important communication comes at the summit, like beyond a doubt. Um, and beyond that, it's it you know it definitely isn't the weekly meetings i'd say it's the more important things like the producer meetings which are monthly and any meetings we have with direct teams uh, i believe we had one with uh, we have one with team size matters and 5.0 last year and also one with team astra sparkle and one with team genesis so the, these are basically like summit meetings but uh run in regular time oh and the alpha meeting the alpha meeting as well and um Sort of, uh, I mean, as as you know, I'm good friends with Nash as well, and he sort of explained when he went to the summit. It was a really good time to actually just sit down and outside of a structured environment, um, just discuss some key issues or just to throw some ideas around and really sort of develop them. And do you think that that was like the key thing that you would get out of it as well? Yeah, pr pretty much. That's what what it's for. You know, you have a lot of time. You can talk about whatever you need to. And you know you get a lot done. You 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 are able to sit and really corner people and kind of find out what they, you know, what the reasoning is behind certain things, and do it in a way that it's hard, a lot harder to do in text. You know, it's harder to get that kind of personal connection. Yeah, I, I think that what's key that you said here though is that that communication to the wider New Eden player base is critical because I think all of us remember from was it two or three years ago where it, it seemed like every week there was a new person being dropped for in attendance or just flat out quitting or whatever and it seemed like we were getting to the fourth and fifth string vote getters to to staff the csm and so i think a, a lot of the player base was like what, what are they even worth i mean the guys that get elected aren't even showing up and they're just quitting halfway through it and so definitely the quality of the csm in in my opinion has changed significantly and i think that communication will continue to help stress what's going on and provide that feedback and even like the meetings that's a new thing to me and understanding that and so i think that's that's a great thing jintan that you can provide feedback you know you've got your ndas but that stuff definitely will help the player base understand what it is you're doing and you guys are doing and why not every meeting 
you know, you don't have to be at everything, but which ones are critical. Yeah, like I, I do try and cover some of that stuff in my um, my fortnightly updates as well. I do try and point out, you know, this is something that's really important. You know, here's the kind of vague, the vaguest possible things that I can cover about it. Uh, you know, I, I really do wish almost that those meetings had minutes into themselves so that we could, you know, continue to show that, hey, we are actually doing shit. But unfortunately, that's a huge amount of pressure on CCP and it would reduce the amount of meetings that we do get to have with them. Good stuff. Uh, but do you think uh, the increase in voters over um, last year, I mean, even though it's still not that quite at its high, but do you think the increase in voters is an indication of the engagement overall with the CSM and the wider community? I think it's showing that, you know, I think it's two things, though. It's also just that, um, you know, it was advertised a lot better this year, I think. Uh, a lot more people were able to see that the election was going on. You know, I heard a lot of people who just didn't vote last year because they didn't know it was happening. I think that's uh, been less the case this year. Good. So uh, getting involved with the CSM. Yeah, well, you know, I was just going to say, look, the the number of votes that we got this year, uh, you know, I want to say was was a healthy number of votes. It was not at it was not at the peak. Um, it was 40 percent up from last year, which was which was a horrible vote year. Um, yeah. But, and I'm not sure that we get back necessarily to those levels from what was it? One, two, three, four, you know, four to seven years, you know, four to seven terms ago. Um, the number of players, the number of active players and things like that, you know, w w was higher back then, period. Um, number of active accounts, you know, yeah. more to the point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think even beyond that, you've got three years ago, besides all the drama that was happening, you had sort of the massive pre-changes to capital. You had big stagnation of the game. People were getting bored and walking away for a while. So you just had a loss of interest in the game there. And then now, let's be honest, most of the people voting, other than a few, it, it's the power blocks. It's the PLNC. It's the goon vote. It's the test CO2 vote. And so that is going to control a large portion of the game. And, you know, with Eve, like anything else, you know, having a large group of players coordinating, that's what makes the game, that what makes you stronger in the game. And it, that works in on the CSM voting as well. So that does tend, I think, to disenfranchise, to use that word, the, uh, the high set guys and the low set guys, because they just don't have, they don't seem to organize on that level. Now, sometimes there are candidates who come out. Uh, wingspan was an example sort of a non-power block guy that was able to sort of harness some of that and get that use that to get onto the csm but generally i think that does tend to why we don't see as large of a voting block now and it is because of the large power blocks are able to control it so most people are like well goons are going to get four guys test is going to get a guy co2 you know whatever and so they just assume that it's not worth their time to vote i think yeah at the end of the day if people don't want to vote there's only so much you can do to make them you know uh, we could go the Australian route and just force everyone to vote, but that would just give you a huge amount of signal noise. I, I personally would still be in favor of it, and I know that's not something that's shared by the rest of the CSM, but I personally would, would like voting to be either mandatory or heavily encouraged by, say, the launcher to the degree where you just you do like increase the vote count a significant portion. Um, just giving people an, an option to abstain if they wish to and make that like the first option you can choose. Well, I mean, look, there's you know, there's plenty of tools that they can continue to to improve upon to uh, to encourage voting before we get to, you know, some draconian thing of, you know, requiring an action. Um, 
yeah, and and like you said, whether it be in the launcher, whether it be in game, um, you know, any of these things that I want to say make it easier for players to to actually vote, um, you know, would have would ratchet up the level of voting. I think uh, one interesting thing to point out, um, and there's an analysis article on uh, the Imperium News site, uh, CSM 12 results analysis. That has quite an interesting graph. Um, it has the the votes by account creation year for CSM 12, and the votes for by creation year for CSM 11. And the current year, like the difference between the current year is huge. Um, like in two, for 2017-2016, there's like, and 2015, like quarter of the vote um, for this year. Whereas, you know, it was basically two years that made up quarter of the vote last year. Um, it, so it's, is this a sign that um, CCP have managed to engage a lot more of the newer players in comparison to what they've done previously, do you think? And what the seniors and pensioners aren't actually voting. Well, I mean, I think it's also the the player influx we had from the alpha accounts. I mean, there's just more people that in alphas could vote, right? No. No, 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 no. Well, never mind then. I take that back. <laughs> but it's Zombie interesting to see. Zombie farmers. I'm, link, I'm linking that article in there. That's I think, got I think the, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of those votes are actually linked to uh, the skill point injection that's zombie farming because that's potentially a lot of votes that could be coming in from that. Because they're all plexed up. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you, but I think that what has not changed is that the the largest segments of voters um, still continue to come from relatively newer accounts. Not necessarily, you know, in the past, I don't think it was it was those who have been around for for under a year. But um, out into that two and three year period, you know, has has created the biggest part. Now, part of that is just that, look, you know. I don't know how many 2003, you know, players are still around and of those then how many are engaged, but you just have, you know, kind of, you know, quit decay, the longer you go back to player, you know, to, to old time players, um, you know, you know, whereas I, and, and it does make me question whether or not, you know, there, there are not a lot of high sec players who, even though maybe they are fragmented and, and don't have, um, the organization of, you know, NullSec or wormhole groups or things like that, um, they still vote. And and maybe because the newer they are to the game, let's say, they vote more just because they think it's the right thing to do or, you know, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, you know, the, the question is, do they actually understand what the CSM is? That's maybe a, not. That's another thing, which I think is kind of interesting. No, I think, um, I think not it either. I think if I hadn't known what the CSM really was, now, when I first joined, there was definitely a higher level of news stories, articles, all kinds of stuff that you could look at. They're just really, I mean, even at EVE News this year, we wrote battle reports. We didn't write about the upcoming elections and what the CSM means. And that's one of, you know, that's kind of one of the things that we maybe failed at at EVE News 24 and in the future. We, maybe we didn't explain it to those uh, new players. I didn't see a lot of it on Reddit. It was just like, oh, if the guys who know what it is, they'll vote. The other ones, unless they asked, even the new players in my court, they just, oh, what is that? How does that work? So I yeah, I think there's definitely a. To, I actually, tr I actually made a two and a half minute video that just goes over what you know, what how I conceptualize the CSM to try and help with that. CCP could do a better job of getting the word out. I mean, you know, the, yeah. I, I want to say to some extent, the media has done about all it can 
to to get the word out. Um, some of it negative, some of it, you know, I think a lot more of it this year was certainly was certainly positive. A very pro get out the vote effort. Um, how is it? How is the fucking content that the players have been making about the CSM? It's mm. massive promotional. So I don't understand why CCP doesn't support more of that and put some of it in the actual client or in the launcher and stuff like that. It, it should be easy. And as I just pointed out, if there's something like mandatory voting, make it incentivized instead. Give away something like a CSM shuttle or uh, a CSM uh, module, something like that, that could easily be depleted, but it's actually worth something. Yeah, like, you know, the, the reason why you don't see, like, CSM, uh, sorry, CCP make a video about, you know, what this is what we think the CSM is, is because they do actually leave a lot of what the CSM is up to the CSM itself to decide. Like, Yeah, of course, but when they then yeah. go on uh, GDC and there's hours of presentations to the player, uh, sorry, to the games developers about how awesome the CSM is, it just seems like mixed fucking signals. I got a CSM jacket. <laughs> you know, RMT. That's that's what that's what it's all been going up. To. I gave up my life for a year, and all I got was a stinking jacket. <laughs> Pretty good jacket. Good jacket. I know. I saw one of those jackets. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I wish I could have one of those. It's good stuff. All you got to spend a year just you know being on the CSM. How hard can it be? I don't know. Famous last words. <laughs> Although you seem to be managed from quite far, Ted, so I'm pretty sure anybody else can too. But you know, you, you know what I was saying about the you know about the Eve media and the people are, you know that kind of surround <laughs> that, you know, doing as much as they can. Um, we still have an extremely limited audience, you know, you know when it comes to um, you know when it comes to the broad player base, which is which is again you know where I think that you know CCP you know really needs to be able to step in and and advertise more the fact that this is going on and and put it in the face of players uh, you know again not not requiring that they vote but that you know i don't know maybe the billboards are bigger or some shit and has sound that would be nice oh please no wait that sounded eve <laughs> sorry exactly. i had to do that bit. i had to do that meme. i feel so terrible now that was awful <laughs> and i don't mean those billboards i just mean the you know the the proverbial billboard that you know they just need to kind of you know put it put it in the face of people and uh uh, look, you're always going to have the people out there who think that the CSM is use, uh, useless and and you know hate the CSM and hate the, you know hate CCP for th you know that that they think that they don't really want the CSM or things like that. Whatever you know, um, if CCP wants it, they'll 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 broadcast it out there. They'll, they'll make it easier for people to vote um, because they've got all the tools to be able to do this, and and it ain't going to break anybody's damn immersion. You know, to to see something in the game related to to CSM. I'm sorry, you can look. We're through getting that. the we're getting the structures bio right. That might actually help a little bit. That's like step one of uh, player promotional stuff inside yeah, the client. You know, actually, mm. I thought that was kind of brilliant this year. I it that's what first kind of reminded me that the election was coming up. Was I looked in there and it was a vote errant or whatever thing. You know, in the inside my captain's hangar, and I looked up and I was like, vote for CSM, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh wow. And I love that because I love that the players can put up their own yeah, campaign absolutely. ads and stuff. Yeah, that was fantastic. And yeah, so that's definitely, I think that's part of it. And I think the CCP could probably take a couple steps further to engage the broader electorate, so to speak, I guess. That's good. So um, moving away from CSM and uh, moving on to the next biggest piece of news, um, there was a dead blog release for the structure transition uh, detailing some information. 
I haven't read this fully, uh, other than I know that outposts in Nulsic, so there's a bunch of outposts in Nulsic which uh, players have built, which are all basically essentially being turned into special Fortazars. Faction, right right right? faction Fortazars. Oh, they, right. they will eventually be turned into Faction Fortazars. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, which will have some unique bonuses and benefits to them. Um, so do we... Does someone want to fill me in on some of the details that were discussed in that blog and what the transition's going to mean and how that's going to happen? I, I am actually going to make a video on this, believe it. <laughs> hey. as, as I do with everything. But the long and short of it is that, um, you know, going up to the winter expansion, everything will be completely normal. Then one day, uh, on the day of transition, whoever owns the station will have the station removed from the game and during downtime. And then after downtime is over, a faction citadel will be there in its place under the control of whoever owns that station previously. And this will be a faction once in a lifetime, never seeded again uh, station, kind of like the AT ship of um, citadels. Uh, it will have a bunch of unique bonuses that will make it almost as good, but not quite as good as, say, uh, a medium uh, refinery or a medium uh, building station, etc., etc. I think the best one of them all is the Immensity, and then followed by Galante, and then everything else, though. Uh, as those will get it's going to launch as anchoring, right? It uh, launches invulnerable for seven days, I yeah. believe. Now, I think... when, you, when you create this video, will you be doing kind of a guided real estate tour of Providence stations? <laughs> Yeah, I need to know which, <laughs> which stations to go reinforce. Let me make a it's, list it's, here. We like, still bloody home in the sun, but about Providence. Here oh, in this absolutely. beautiful system, we have a uh, <laughs> we have a station that will one day become a faction Fortizar owned by possibly you if you come here and take it. No, yeah. <laughs> it'll be more. It'll be more talking about why there is going to be a war about this. Yeah. Like uh, I, I've already termed them. They're the Gold Rush Wars. No one else can. No one can make a shitty name for it. It's not going to be another winter war. It'll be, it'll be the gold rush war. Well, I think, I think too, um, that's something one pointed out is they're going to come with these, these rigs uh, when they're initially anchored. And these rigs are going to give significant bonuses, which will, if I, if I understand the blogs right, will actually make them a little more powerful than the citadels we have. Now, the owners will have the ability to remove them unanchor them, scoop them if they want to try and save them, and that will destroy those rigs, which you can then again never replace, because these will essentially be a faction one-time yeah. initial use rig. Which which will be the thing, you know, you know, in the case of, you know, what will probably be, and it's not just against Pravi, but will probably be a larger, uh, you know, gold rush um, grab out there for, for existing stations that, that will become these new Fortizars, um, is that if anybody goes to take them, and then remove, you know, you know, and then of course, you know, you know, pack them up and take them away afterwards, right? Um, they're not going to have the benefits of those rigs, so you know, you're not quite getting all of what these things offer unless you leave them in place. Oh, and that yeah. then that goes to the decision you make: do I defend it or do I scoop it and protect it for later use? But even the scoop ones with are the going vast to majority have of these uh, benefits, right? Yeah. So they are going to be trading at a higher value than the existing. Yes. Uh, okay. So, yes. So they how, just won't be it, as good as if they had the rigs. How it works is the outpost upgrades, which are the things that you used to be able to build into stations, uh, the things that cost like 20, 30 billion isk, uh, those will be replaced. Those will be placed on as rigs to the structure. And the structure, like the structure's inherent bonuses. So the inherent bonuses you get for it being an Amar 
outpost or a uh, Kaldari outpost will be um, represented by the faction by the by the base citadel. So you're still looking at something that's going to be at least you know I think at minimum like very bargain basement bottom minimum three or four times the cost of a citadel. Yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't the, those bonuses actually going to be removed like now Tuesday? Don't know. I'm pretty sure they said that the bonuses are going to be removed, except for some of the special faction ones, right? Mm, nope. Not 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 sure. I I don't. I think they're stuck. They they've talked about phasing out the pod stuff and um the output the outpost stuff, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't think we had a direct date for it yet. Yeah, still coming. But these are going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. How much these things actually worth? Because there's no like other than the the cost of them actually being put down. There's no real material cost other than those to what the players add to them. Um, because you're never going to get these citadels again. You're never going to get those rigs again. And it's going to be leading to a really interesting dilemma between um, all the individuals that have them. And how much how much can you would you sell one of these for nobody really knows so it's going to be really interesting to see how that develops on the market at least anyway um, I, i've, I've heard out. everything from uh you know about 50 billion being like the super duper low end um i've heard 100 billion and 200 billion seems to be the most like common asking points right now for the structure with no rigs and I know someone has put in a buy order for eight hundred billion for an event C. Eight hundred million already. Billion. 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 Yeah. It's not entity, was it? To to give you a brief highlight <laughs> on like how much Providence is worth now, it's worth about eight point two trillion esque, assuming it's a hundred billion per out uh, per faction set The gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That that oh. is more money than I think Providence has ever made in its whole existence. And that assumes Providence still holds all those structures in the winter. Oh, it's not going to Oh, but this leads us on to probably the next big topic. Um, moving away from the dev blocks at the moment is all sorts of stuff are kicking it off in the south now. I have a theory that maybe part of this structure change may be starting to drive that. Maybe it's also the anime wars, but there's been a lot of stuff going on down in uh, the south at the moment. Um, for those that maybe don't know, um, would you like to fill them in a bit on that, Jinto? Basically, me and Reza like ha have are having a lovers quarrel, and as such, you know, there's some fighting going on in the south with waffles having deployed down here. Um, obviously, PL is here as well, uh, and that means that you know there's been a couple of fights um, around Providence because Providence is a fairly easy place to go and mess about with. Uh, you know, it's been pretty fun. Uh, there's also the whole anime subplot, which is the fucking memeiest shit I've ever seen. It's so good. <laughs> but I love the fact that um, one of the major gaming sites actually picked up on that and published an article about it as well this week. That's actually where I read about it. I didn't even realize it was going on until I saw it on PC Gamer. <laughs> which is just so good. Um, Jesus, man, you're the editor of freaking Eve News 24. You should you should know that we're having a goddamn <laughs> war about about cartoons. Hey, I didn't say I was going to be a good editor in chief. And it's not <laughs> a war. It's a, it, cartoons. I will say it's not a war. This whole World War weave. There ain't no World War going on here. I mean, you know, it's it's the I, I mean, anime I mean, police action. We did lose a hundred billion esque of nightmares the other day. So, like, calm down. 
Oh, <laughs> that was actually, I missed that. I just missed out on that fleet. Like, uh, they were pinging like crazy, and I was heading back. I was driving back a little bit faster than I should have been legally. And uh, I missed out on the Titan Bridge by like 10 minutes. And then I saw the kill mails rolling in from that fight. I was like, no. But I don't, you know, I don't think that the action that is going on in Pravi currently is is really that much related to uh to what's going to happen in the winter um you know i i think that we will have a gold rush war on places like pravi but but i don't think that what's going on right now is is the the lead up to that i think we've got some you know pre-alliance tournament conflict going on out there um you know and then after the alliance tournament we'll be rolling you know in the direction of something like eve vegas I think after Eve Vegas is when you'll start to see some things out there heating up um, as we get closer to whenever this thing will happen in the winter. Some people think it'll be mm-hmm. after the first of the year. So, I mean, you're not going to have a war. I mean, these people that are going to go out there, you know, you know, wanting to take uh, take existing stations to hold so that they can turn into faction citadels um, um, are not going to want to, you know, babysit these things for months on end. Right. They're going to do it when it gets closer to the actual changeover. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty good. But there's there's definitely something happening down in the south at the moment. And whether you sort of cover it with the anime war type thing or not, um, there was that whole fight uh, down in uh, KBP um, over the, the, uh, what's the Spectre feet? Fights. But, you know, probably brought out, what was it, over a thousand people? Uh, we brought 650 from Providence, uh, and some random allies turned up. We didn't actually ask them to come. They just arrived. I was like, okay, sweet. Uh, <laughs> because and, uh, yeah, I remember sitting well, Tib- in the fleet. Tib- Tibbs, you were there on, on one side of the gate, weren't you? I was. We were south. Like there was uh, there was a hundred and eighty man in Sea Fleet out on the other side of the gate, about to jump into KBP, and we were kind of sitting there going. There's over a thousand people in local, and none of them are friendly. And we're like, mm, do we take this fight or do we not? Do we like go in and try and protect those uh, Spectrophilic Citadels, or do we just kind of sit here and go home when it's well, all over? And that was at the time. What wasn't PL en route, and they got sidetracked by test CO2, and then they had a big cap. No, out, not right? at all. They they were here. They were sitting on a Titan in ZXIC. They were just like they just decided not to come in. Like there's no, they got sidetracked. There was, there was an easier target. <laughs> that that's how you win a fight against PL. You don't you don't kill PL unless they really fuck up. They just don't turn up to the fight if they're not going to win it, which is fair enough. That's like the that's the clever thing to do. Well, that I mean that throwdown that was happening with Tess and CO two was going on at the same time, yeah. No, it happened um, after the timers had come out. They'd had plenty of time to engage in it. But why did so to rewind a little bit back to it? Why were these citadels being anchored in um, KBP to, to begin with? Because um, Spectre Fleet enjoys fucking with Severance, and you know it's an easy place to go and just do some stuff in. So <laughs> you know we decided to form massively for it because you know it was a uh, probably you know it was one of the one of the big timers in the war. It was something we had a lot of time to prepare for, and we decided, hey, you know, let's let's see what we can do. If things are really, really on the line, let's take stock of what we can uh, realistically achieve um, if we have five days' notice. It was pretty good. Pretty happy with it. It was pretty good. My only shame was we only caught part of uh, a goon fleet while we were there. But <laughs> um, 
but so so what was happening with this whole clash between PL and Tess where three hundred billion s worth of dreadnoughts was lost? I actually don't know the story behind that. It was uh, put up on the Reddit thread, uh, PL Waffles versus the World, and it appears that uh, um, PL were moving a dreadnought fleet worth about 150 billion isk, and they got dropped on by uh, Goons, Provi, and a few others who brought in their own dreadnoughts, of which they also lost to worth to the value of 150 billion isk, but they also had a Goon Nightmare fleet and uh, a carrier fleet as well, which ultimately meant that they uh, won. We know nothing about yeah, yeah. that. This, this is how I remember that it, this was afterwards, and that's because um, we heard it was happening, and we just were like, all right, well, we'll just send our Goku fleet down there because, you know, they didn't get very many kills during the uh, defense, and they went and just, like, randomly killed, like, two dreads or something. It's pretty ridiculous. And then they primary the Titan. <laughs> For, like, no reason. <laughs> they, 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 they sounded like they had fun. Like, a ton of newbies got to get on their first cap kill and kind of just run around you know, being massive nuisances, so they enjoyed themselves. Oh, for sure. I mean, Tess considers it a win because we didn't get lost in a wormhole, so. <laughs> but, I mean, um, based on the battle report, it was a it was a uh, pretty big slug. I mean, I was only hearing stuff on the side. I wasn't in PL at that point. Um, so I was just hearing it, you know, kind of from, from different sources of, of shit was going down. And, um, I, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty big slug fest that I think, Broke out what about fifty fifty on on the on the ISK loss? Absolutely, yeah. Um, which was a really interesting thing about it. And I was kind of sitting there looking at that battle report, wondering is this is this part of the CO two Project Manhattan super weapon that they're trying to build, where they can just drop a bunch of dreads on a, a moving capital fleet with impunity and wipe it out. No, I don't think this is anywhere near that. I think this, from being a test line member, and, and mind you, I don't speak for the alliance, but just from as a line member, I think it was just a, a target of opportunity that got reported, and the fights were going down, so we formed to, to bring the fight. It just simply escalated from there. Mm. And it certainly ended up being one of the larger fights. So it's, it's wise, anyway. That's, yeah, uh, but you know, we say that, but I think we almost have to change the paradigm of what we consider large fights these days. Because I mean, we had an 800, 900 billion isk fight three or four days into the year, and at this point, with super proliferation, whatever you know what I'm trying to use. Anyways, yes, with that and with with everything else that's going on, fights now. I mean, I know when I first joined, 80, 80 billion would have been like. 90% of tribes SRP wallet at that point. Now it's like, that's just a small roaming fleet. So there's definitely been a change in the size and scope of the ISK value of these fights. And it seems like every other day we're getting 200, 300, 400 billion ISK fights. Almost, it seems like that seems to have become the standard. Well, I think this is, yeah. Killer kind of out in Twitch uh, yeah, and, he's, and he's asking, is this the GE fight? Um, because your information seems wrong all over, which is because we don't have internal insight into it, uh, Killer. So, you know, we know that there was a fight that occurred. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Yeah, just like throw us your wisdom, Killer B. But at the end of the day, I actually, think some of actually, if he jumps in, he can probably tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking in stations Discord, Killer, you're in it. We know you're. Yeah, like, but it's it, it, it. This is just one of the things that happens as a result of the industrial cold war. It just it is easier to just throw dreads away if you do have the ability to make that much minerals because you are making a lot of money off refining it, and you know people are 
you know, it's easier to supply your shit. This is what happens when NullSec is economically independent. You can just say, all right, I will commit 20, you know, 50 dreads to this because that does not mean anything to me at a strategic level anymore. Well, and not only that, I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs for what is, you know, the point of having big cat dread caches. PL can bring their supers and all this other stuff. And I think in anything for, for alliances that are maybe not as highly skilled with using supers and titans, having 500 dreads, 200 dreads, however much you have sitting in a station to instantly counter, it will definitely, I think, in my opinion, make the, the, the NCs and the PLs think twice before dropping on that, especially if they know that you can turn around and counter with several hundred dreads, which are not as skill intensive and can much more be easily handed out. And if you lose them, no, you know, it's not the end of the world compared to losing 30 Titans. Yeah, I'm not even yeah. sure the term dread bomb almost even, even, uh, and Killa's up there. Let me drag him in. What's up, Killa? Yo. Yo, so tell uh -oh. us. What what drove that fight? Uh, what, you know what what caused uh, what caused that to occur in the first place? Uh, the the Citadel timers in KBP. Basically, we figured we just dropped one of the people that wanted to help probably on the on their way, and that's what we did. So we picked the easiest target, which was CO two. They were just gating uh, through GE, and uh, we dropped them, and and went on from there basically. So there was no capital fleet movement or whatever. It was basically just we dropped uh, their subcap fleet without a carrier fleet, and then. They dropped dreads on our faxes, and then we dropped dreads on their dreads, and that's basically what happened. And then everybody else started coming. Yeah, exactly. So from from that point on, we we did really really good at the start. Like if we would have uh, extracted from the fight after the first like 30, 40 minutes or whatever, it would have been a bloodbath for CO two because we completely destroyed their T three cruiser fleet. But um, we stayed around, and then more and more people piled in. Test formed up and came and. Goons showed up. Though goons showed up pretty late in the fight, um, so there, a bunch of fleets started showing up, and you know basically everybody just piled onto us, and then well we ended up losing basically our entire McCarrier fleet. But it was it was a lot of fun, definitely. Filthy blobbers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it fine. looked like I mean, a great fight. I don't, I, don't really, like a fight. I don't complain about blobbing because I think it's silly to complain about blobbing because that's just what Eve is. Like there's basically no groups in the game that. Uh, that are like that matter in the zero zero scale that are like, oh, we want to take fair one v one fights, hundred versus hundred or something. It's just non existent. So sometimes you blob, sometimes you get blobbed, and sometimes you get really, really good brawls. And uh, it's just the way it is. And you know, and what's interesting about that fight is that it seems like both sides came away from it saying it was a good time and we you know and we won. I mean it, you know, it's like it, the ISK war, it was fifty fifty. And, uh, you know, everybody everybody just seemed to have a good time. Yeah, totally. Oh. I mean, for for the rest of EVE, it was just finally we got, you know, we gave PL a bloody nose. Everybody hates us at the moment. Everybody wants to have an opportunity to, you know, kick a, kick our faces in, and no, they got a no. chance to do that. And we, 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 managed, we get to brawl the rest of EVE and come out 50-50. <laughs> so that was fun. That was good. Everybody's happy. Oh, yeah. The test line members, I watched in chat afterwards. I wasn't on the fight myself, but, yeah, everyone. Was really excited, come home, just happy. So it was, yeah, all around a good fight. And this was so. So you said that uh, test dropped on you. So is this them flexing their their new super weapon bomb? Do you think? Uh, uh, what? Say again. <laughs> he phased out completely. There you go. <laughs> so uh, do you think this is test, test testing out their new dread bomb that they're aiming towards building? 
I mean, as far as ProGuard goes, uh, the Manhattan Project is concluded. Um, Tess is going to have a state of the alliance today, and they're going to deploy afterwards. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what that does. But uh, yeah, I'm all up for it. I mean, like, I I think it's great if people get confident enough to to drop caps on us, which is one of the main reasons we decided to leave our super caps behind and not Titans in tribute, because we figured that hey, if we take these supers and Titans with us, nobody's going to engage us. And we had that problem in the last couple of months of 2016. So we basically decided, let's go on a deployment, just take regular caps. Um, and there's a lot of alliances out there that can outnumber us in regular caps. CO2 can, certainly can, TEST certainly can, just because they have so many more people than we do, right? And uh, we really hoped that this is going to make people fight us and this is going to make people drop us. And so far, it's been working really fine. We've had like, since we deployed down here, we've had like five really big capital brawls where all sides dropped dreads and they dropped carriers and everybody had subcaps on grid. And all, all those brawls, brawls were amazing fun, right? And we wouldn't have those brawls if we would have uh, taken our super carriers and titans with us down here. So uh, we're really happy with that. Dreads is the new battleship meta. Yeah, I mean, that's what Matani says, where he said carriers are the new battleships or whatever. That's fine. Oh, if you want to fly... When are we going to go back to 2008 and just have the glorious Dread v. Dread combat? Honorable. Honorable. Honorable Dread combat. Yeah. That was always where it was at. That was always a thing with uh, Dreadnoughts originally. It was that, that whole, always the, I'm going to land, going to siege, uh, yeah, siege, and I'm going to blast you in the face as fast as I can. You're going to do the same to me, and one of us is going to win. And that was the, that was basically the fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those were fun. This is fun now. It's good, good stuff. Okay. So, what is, do you think? The south is where, is where it's at for content these days. South yeah, has been where it's at for content. So, do you think? Uh, do you think this is the anime war is a real thing, killer, or do you think it's just all a fad? I mean, it's, it's on Reddit. It's obviously way bigger than it actually is. At the end of the day, it was like. Waffles deploying down here to Asar, and they're just looking for content. I don't know, like all the stuff that happened between Reza and Jintan. If that's, I don't know if this matters at all. Like I personally don't really care about it either. Um, for me, it was just Waffles deployed down to us, which is great because now we can work closer together with them, which we've already been doing. And they are hitting Pravi to create content, and we are helping them out to get on that content. Obviously, we like the content ourselves, so it's it's good times. I don't think that. The anime war is real. Like, if 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 it would be for a real war, it would look different. I'd love to ask uh, questions about how to keep line men members motivated and getting them and going into fleet. But I think that is a show for a, like a completely different show all on its own. Um, probably for a, an F FC show. Thanks for popping by, Killer. That was actually really useful to uh, get it from an FC that was there. Yeah, sure um, thing. Not a problem at all, but thanks for that. Um, so just to round off the show, we got our last six minutes or so. Uh, we'll go through a, a quick some a couple of announcements. Um, Theomaki, uh, the big free-for-all event that happens every year, is happening on the 3rd of June. Um, they will be setting up an arena on uh, one of the servers. Uh, it won't be on the main server, where they will have thousands of ships to choose from. Um, there will be scripted events. Uh, you will hunt or be hunted. Four hours of carnage and hundreds of capsuleers and only one victor at the end of it. 
Um, it'll be streamed live, so go check that out. It'll be on uh, EventT as well. But uh, go and check that out. If you haven't signed up, go to theomaki.com. Uh, sign yourself up. It's a great event. It is an absolute blast. It is in the Hunger Games style sort of vein, you know, you've got to go out, you've got to get your ships, you've got to get everything sorted out, and you've got to try and be the last man or woman standing. And then uh, we've got, for player meets coming up soon, uh, the Toronto monthly meetup at the Jack Astor Bar and Grill on John Street is today at 1 p.m. local time. Uh, go check that one out. We've got the Abba Eve pub meet in Aberdeen, Scotland from 4 p.m. today, and that's at the Spin Bar and Diner. Uh, we've also got the Fort Hood area meetup at the Bit Bar on the 13th of May. This place looks great. I really, really want to go there. Lots of arcade machines and all sorts of like gaming stuff. Um, looks like a great place to go too. Uh, that's uh, from 4 p.m. today. If you're in, uh, yeah, no, that's on the 13th of May. So go check that one out. And then the best sounding event so far this month um, is Finns on a ship. They are actually on a ship. Uh, they will be uh, sailing from Finland and arriving in Stockholm, in Sweden, um, on the course, Baltic the Princess Eve player cruise. I know it's actually a cruise. Like these guys, it's it's. I've checked this out. This it's actually a full size ship that carries about four thousand people. Um, so that sounds like a great event. Um, I know there's probably a couple of CCP devs that are also pegged to go to that one. I haven't got confirmation on that yet, but I'll uh, check that out. Um, go to evemeet.net and look up that event for if you're in and around that sort of area for tickets and things like that. But it sounds like a really good event. Um, so, and then we got uh, the Eve Meet in Eve Meet Philly, which is on the 27th of May from 4 p.m., and that's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and that's at the High Spots Lane Bowling Alley. Um, and then I, I, I was just looking about this, I, I didn't even know that it was going on, but I may have to try and get down there. Uh, that's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend here in the U.S., so it's a long weekend. But uh, yeah, there, it, it, that's right, pilots. We're going to engorge ourselves on cheesesteaks and tasty cakes under the neon lights of a bowling alley. So I, I don't know. I, I think I may need to. It's only about an hour away, so I may uh, try and get there. The only thing I worry about is whether Eve players are competitive at the bowling as they are at shooting each other with spaceships. Could end badly. Could end badly. We'll <laughs> see. Um, and then Houston hit as few of the pins as possible, right? <laughs> and then um, uh, Houston are holding their monthly meet in uh, Houston, Texas, at the King's Head Pub, as per usual. Um, so if you're in those areas at all uh, in the next month, uh, go check those out. They are great events. Um, I wish I was going on fins on a ship, that's for sure. Um, just be the uh, obligatory, hey, I'm a Brit, and I'm doing Brexit. So uh, we'll see how they respond to that. Um, but we're rounding up the show, and um, I'd like to say thank you very much to the guests uh, that have turned up today. So that's uh, Caleb, Dirk, Jintan, and Johan from uh, EEN24. It's great to see you all again. It's great to have you on board. And um, remember, this entire show and the podcast that follows with it cannot carry on without your support, um, dear listeners. Uh, there is support to make sure you support the podcast at uh, the pa patreon this material um to help cover the cost that he has to host that and um support all the content creators 
Karen's Word Tips follows, subscribes, of course. And um, if you want to join any other sites, like we literally have four websites represented here today. We have uh, INN, Eve News 24, uh, Eve NT, and uh, the soon to be set up Eve Guardian. Um, if you want to support any of those, write for any of those, you know, get in contact with any of us. Um, that'd be fantastic. And they also look always looking out for programmers and admin as well. Um, but once again, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, it's great to see you all. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>